Chapter Thirteen of Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway. Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter Thirteen september school it was a still hazy september afternoon so warm that the frost that had helped to open the chestnut burrs that very morning seemed to have been an hallucination the lake was as calm as a mill-pond but lake huron is notoriously treacherous henry the boat-keeper at lakeview hall was not as weather-wise as he should have been he had allowed a number of boats to be taken out that afternoon without warning the girls to beware of squalls not that such warning would have been taken seriously by many of the girls for a fairy day in the seeming had not appeared on the calendar nan and bess decided to go out in one of the double canoes the churns from tilbury did not own a boat several of the older girls did and bess had ready written home for a motor-boat i'll tease dad for a motor-boat first she confided to nan of course he won't hear to that so i'll try to get a sailboat what do they call em a cat with an auxiliary engine and he won't listen to that either why ask for something you know you can't have asked the wandering nan goodness don't you see exclaimed bess exasperated at such lack of understanding why if i ask for something big dad will compromise in the end and probably give me just what i ex originally expected to have aim high is my motto oh we'll get a nice canoe at the least or a cedar boat with a portable engine and propeller this way of getting what one wished rather shocked nan who always asked point-blank for what she wanted but was usually wise enough not to think too much about what she knew she could not have that's an awfully roundabout way of getting what you desire she suggested to bess oh you don't know my father mother has to do the same she has plenty of money but sometimes he hates to give it up i can tease almost anything out of him hush bess suppose anybody else should hear you nan suggested well it's true said careless bess there's that linda riggs going down with gracie mason to the dock i bet walter is coming in his bargain rush for grace and linda will get invited i'd just love to have a motor-boat nan just to get ahead of linda she can't have one i heard cora say because her father is afraid of them none of the girls own motor-boats nan said calmly the canoe is all right they were in the canoe and had put up the little leg of mutton sail before walter mason's bargain rush came out around lighthouse point from the inlet 
and chugged over to the school dock where walter's sister was waiting walter is just devoted to grace nan said i think he is a dreadfully nice boy better keep your opinion to yourself laughed bess linda thinks she about owns him you see he's the only boy available about the school and linda has always been used to having the best of everything so have you laughed nan roguishly but not in boys cried bess billy is enough if they are all like that brother of mine you know walter isn't said nan goodness no walter mason is as meek as moses as meek as is his own sister and i think gracie is the most milk and watery girl i ever saw she's timid i know began nan but her chum interrupted quickly oh yes you'll find a good word to say for her nan you're always championing the cause of the weak and afflicted every sore-eyed kitten you saw on the street at tilbury used to appeal to you oh bosh exclaimed nan you make me out a whole lot worse than i am the canoe suddenly dipped sideways and bess squealed as a splash of water came inboard sit down you're rocking the boat she sang that was a flaw of wind guess we'll have to watch out don't tie the sheet to that cleat bess sheet oh you mean this rope i never can remember nautical names but i've got to hitch the thing nan i want to wash my hands and this water ought to be got out there's a big sponge in the bow locker there i got that right didn't i bow locker nan was steering with a paddle and could not give her full attention to the sail the sea was choppy and it took some effort to keep the head of the canoe properly pointed nan was bareheaded but bess wore a rubber bathing cap nan's braid snapped about her shoulders when the boisterous wind swooped down upon them farther out upon the lake white caps appeared i guess we'd better not go very far to-day nan said cautiously there go walter and those girls cried bess yes linda is aboard what did i tell you well they can get back more quickly than we can nan said seriously oh let's go a little further i like it when the canoe tumbles about declared reckless bess nan knew that if the wind held out its present point it would be more aid to them in running back than while they were on this present tack so she did not insist upon turning about immediately what she did not know was that the recurrent flaws in the wind foretold a sudden change in its direction there were plenty of other pleasure boats about them at first and as bess pointed out walter mason's bargain rush had passed the canoe going out what the two chums did not notice however was that these other boats including the bargain rush soon made for the shore the fishing boats from freeling were driving in toward the inlet too wise boatmen saw the promise of dirty weather 
not so nan and bess the tang of the spray on their lips the wind blowing their braids and freshening the roses in their cheeks the caress of it on their bare arms and necks the excitement of sitting in the pitching canoe all delighted and charmed the girls they were soon far from all other boats the canoe was scuttling over the choppy waves like a quail running to cover the bellying sail actually hiding from their eyes the threatening clouds that were piling up in the east and south suddenly the wind died the sail hung flabbily from the pole nan began to look anxiously about if we have to paddle clear back to the boathouse she began when bess suddenly gasped oh nan look there nan gazed as her chum pointed southeast a mass of slate-coloured clouds seemed to reach from the apex of the heavenly arch to the lead-coloured water along the lower edge of this curtain of cloud ran a white line like the bared teeth of a wolf nan was for the moment speechless she had never seen such alarming clouds she and bess had yet to see a storm on the great lakes nothing like this approach of wind and rain had ever been imagined by the two girls out of the clouds came a low moaning the voice of the rising wind soon too the swish of falling rain which was beating the surface of the water to foam as it advanced was also audible oh what shall we do moaned bess nan was aroused by this she glanced wildly around they were a long way off lighthouse point at the entrance to freeling inlet and the storm was coming in such a direction that they must be driven up the lake and away from the hall boat landing if indeed the canoe were not immediately swamped let go the sheet bess let go the sheet was nan's first cry goodness me and the pillow-cases too if you say so chattered bess clawing wildly at the rope in question for she had tied it in a hard knot to the cleat and the more she tried to tie the knot loose the tighter it became quick quick nan cried trying to paddle the canoe around she understood nothing about heading into the wind's eye nan only realized that they would likely be overturned if the wind and sea struck the canoe broadside the storm which had at first approached so slowly now came down upon the canoe at terrific speed the wind shrieked the spray flew before it in a cloud and the curtain of rain surrounded and engulfed the two girls and their craft the sail was torn to shreds nan had managed to head the canoe about and they took in the waves over the stern she was saturated to the very skin by the first bucket of water bess with a wild scream of fear cast herself into nan's arms we'll be drowned we'll be drowned was her cry nan thought so too 
but she tried to remain calm the water fairly boiled about them it jumped and pitched most awfully the water that came in board threatened to swamp the canoe peril nan had faced before it's nothing like this each moment as the canoe staggered on and the waves rose higher and the wind shrieked louder nan believed they were nearer and nearer to death she did not see how they could possibly escape destruction the sea fairly yawned for them the canoe sank lower and lower as the foam-streaked water slopped in over the gunwales they were going to be swamped End of chapter thirteen